Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Challenge Talk podcast, part of the Geocache Talk Network. We broadcast live on the first Thursday of each month. Feel free to jump over to YouTube or Facebook to watch the broadcast live and join in the wonderful and active chat room or listen to the entire show on your favorite podcast player. In this episode, we'll be discussing some basic challenge cache concepts and how to read your geocaching career statistics. If you're new to the podcast or challenge caching, tune in to episode one for a quick introduction to challenge caches with a bit of history and what they're all about. We also like to highlight your challenge accomplishments each month. So between each show, don't forget to email your challenge cache finds to challengetalkpodcast at gmail.com and you could win a prize to be given away in each episode. <laughs> and later in this show, we are playing our first live game of Wheel of Challenges. <laughs> so get your email <laughs> ready and follow instructions when the time comes and you could have a chance at winning the grand prize. So we are your hosts. I'm Jeff from Cash the Line and we have Emily Renee. Hello, good night. Good night. <laughs> good evening. <laughs> <laughs> and this show, we're also joined by Geocache Talks' very own Jesse Lunford of Memphis Mafia. Hey, hey, glad to be here. Thank you uh, for having me on. I like that Emily already canceled the show. So, hello. Yeah, good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs> good. Well, so let's start off with a quick community queue icebreaker. Uh, we are taking questions by email from people who, uh, if you have any questions about challenge caching in general. Uh, so we'll start off with first question. What's your favorite challenge cache idea? Emily. So I, it's no surprise. I've said it before. I love map-based challenges, especially filling in my 50 states. That was so exciting to me to take non-filled in boxes and turn them green or whatever color your map uh, statistic is. So that was so exciting to me, but anything that's chart based. So filling in those boxes on the Jasmine or the fizzy or something where I can visibly note my progress. Love those. Mm. Yeah. That, that, that issue of an uncomplete grid is just, it, it just eats, it eats at you. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it stares at you and you, it's it's why we do challenges <laughs> to fill in that box. <laughs> it all depends on how often you look at your statistics, which we will be going over shortly in this episode. Every week, I run them every Sunday <laughs> after a weekend of geocaching. Yeah, <laughs> addicted. How about Jesse? Um, so the true answer is my favorite challenge is the one I'm currently working on. <laughs> when I remember I like I'm working it. on a challenge, I am totally obsessed with that, and that's. That really drives all of my geocaching. You know, mm. I, I love every aspect, as I've always said, but challenges are the one thing that, to me, it's just that's the part of the, that's really tailors how we geocache, unless something else is coming up, you know, like there's a promotion coming up or, or you know, an event or whatever else. But we're always kind of looking at different challenges. But uh, Jasmer or the oldest in the, each state, those are generally my favorite. Um, that's kind of what we're into right now. We're, focus on a lot of the old, the year 2000 caches and stuff. Um, also, there's one we're going to kind of reference it at some point, but uh, the PhD challenge is, uh, I've seen them a few different places. It's under the old rules, so you couldn't get it nowadays. 
And typically I don't like those that have all these weird things, but I had so much fun doing that one a long time ago. That was really good. Uh, and then all the grid challenges, like exactly what Emily said, like filling in those dots. Well, when you have like the four by four grids, like you have to fill in the dots on all four grids at one time. That's just like, you know, the, the, uh, the obsessive version of challenge caching. So it's, uh, those are my favorite, but the, you know, the oldest, uh, any of them that are, there's nothing new. You're going and you have to travel and do the old ones. There's no real grids to fill in with those other than Jasmer, but those are absolute. That has to be at the top of our list today. It may change tomorrow, but today that's, that's the top of our list. Yeah. Nice. And, and those oldies as well, like they, a lot of them are your classic geocaches as well. Yeah. Like great Absolutely. locations out, out in the forest, away from civilization. You just have this really awesome uh, experience going to find it. So what about you? For me, yeah, I would say um, DT Grids. I, there's something about Ontario. <laughs> we just have, there's so many caches and uh, um, more extreme cachers as well that uh, that they're always putting out rare DT combos. And we've got, you know, loads of high difficulty and terrain caches with uh, river series and around the shores of lakes and stuff. And so a lot of, uh, a lot of people in Ontario have high... Uh, high DT counts, like high fizzy grids, which we'll talk about shortly. And um, so it, it, it's, yeah, just trying to find those rare combos and keep boosting that grid. Um, it's like you mentioned with the uh, holes in the grid. Um, with with some of us, the DT grids aren't so much a matter of finding that hole in the grid as it is the dips in the grid. <laughs> <laughs> right now I've got like, I think my fizzy is at 32 or 33 of each DT. But That's amazing. I just hit my double fizzy. <laughs> just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I like that your community is so aware of it and they're yeah. purposely looking to see what they can hide for each yeah. other. That's awesome. And it can be kind of a point of contention because it, it seems somewhat relatively easy to take a, 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 a boat or a kayak out on a river for a day and rack up 50 to 100 high terrain, high difficulty caches seems fairly trivial but eh, for a lot of people that is still very extreme and if you can do that for a day you basically you've earned it you don't have a kayak you can't do it <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah so um so yeah the, the dt grids and uh like jesse said the jasmer because uh those old caches are so very rare and they slowly disappear mm -hmm. so it's kind of a, a challenge in itself to find those before they're gone <laughs> and it's a challenge to plan a trip like that sometimes Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about your least favorite challenge type? <laughs> so my most stressful challenge was a thousand in a year. Um, I mentioned before I live on the coast. You can't go geocaching to the West, um, the immediate West. So I just have so few options. So to just persevere and push every single weekend, I had to travel somewhere new and, I was glad it was done. I'm not mm. going to try for it again. If it happens, it happens. I'm glad I did it once. I qualify for some challenge caches now because I did it, but I'm not going to try again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, there's uh, a few challenges now. There's one, I think, in Ontario for, uh, I think it's three, three, either three years or four years of 2,000 fines. Oh. And, and there's a couple of variants on that. And it's just so extreme. Like you, you've got to be out caching almost every day and finding power trails to get anywhere near that kind of a number. 
but uh, I mean, it feels great to finish it. <laughs> it's always nice when it's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I felt that way about a lot of different things in caching. <laughs> and Jesse. Uh, sorry, I was caught up in the chat room there. Uh, actually, it's a good question too. And uh, it doesn't really apply to this show, but it, it's good to put out there. How many in your area must have been able to obtain it before a, and before a cache can be published? Mm -hmm. And that is actually up to your local reviewer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really set either five or 10. That's what I've heard so far from most reviewers. Uh, in my area, it's 10. Yeah. Ontario. With 10. And show that it's attainable. That's, that's the part right. of the rules that they're talk, referencing with that, that it's, it's attainable by people. Um, and y'all will launch into that on a different show, but there's those crazy, you know, find 80 billion caches and that the owner didn't even do and nobody can ever do. And so <laughs> that's part of the new rules, but that question came up and that's a really good one that comes up. So yeah, it is. Um, yeah. The, uh, so least favorite for me now I, in my mind, right before Emily started talking, I had my answer. But then when the way you said it, <laughs> something else. So the most challenging one we've ever done, which I know tons of people do it, but it was the hardest thing for us was our 365 day streak, the four mm. year, six day streak actually, but um, the four year streak, uh, that's hard in Colorado. It gets really, really cold here on a few days of the year. And plus doing it every day, like the first hundred days you go strong, for me, that do, going every day, it became work by the end of that one. Mm -hmm. We, uh, as a matter of fact, when we finished that streak, we didn't cash for about a month after that. Wow. Um, it was that was rough. Um, but I also think that's a huge accomplishment. We're we're very proud of finishing that one. So I can't say that's my least favorite, but it was the most challenging we've ever done. Mm -hmm. My least favorite, and this is going to make some people mad, um, because it's it's just most favorite. <laughs> Uh, is the DT challenge. It's really becoming, the fizzy is really becoming one of my least favorite challenges. And we had a discussion about this before the show, but it's because not everybody. Now you can absolutely earn DT and do all the right things, but there's a lot of fudging the numbers. And you know how people like, you go up somewhere and it's marked as a 4-4 and it's sitting in a parking lot. Right. But nobody wants to say anything because they're getting a good DT out of it. So mm -hmm. nobody's on the whistle. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and there's a lot of places, a good example would be like Zach, Zach in, uh, in South Dakota mm -hmm. did a full 81 grid that you can go and you might be able to do it a day, but they're actually DT ratings are prop or prop, uh, proper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you go to other places and we all know where they are, you can get 81 multi caches in a day, one, one through five, five, and they're not, they mm -hmm. come on. You're just checking off a list and people tend to fudge those because people like to get their fizzy grid. Mm -hmm. um, so the more I've seen of those, the less I've been interested in doing DT. Like the first time I did DT, I was like, man, I am the man. This is awesome. <laughs> then after I started seeing, they're like, Hey, can we get all 81 in the afternoon? I'm like, hold on now. <laughs> so it, it yeah. makes you glad to have finished it right the first time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My um, first kind of similar. My first five five was a true five five, and it felt right. so good. And then someone actually changed when I found to a five five, and I was like, "What? <laughs> you know that?" I'm yeah. glad they didn't change it before I yeah. found the other one. And so, we've got a few um, of those uh, eighty one uh, DT challenge uh, series as well, and we've got one yeah. uh, an eighty one cube kind of like Zach's, and it is likewise rated appropriately. Like the the puzzles get 
um, proportionately difficult up to a five yeah. and drains it's out in like the back country of Ontario. So you can, you can have roadsides and you can have like multi-day canoe trips to get to them. So the D DTs are actually awesome and they haven't all been found yet. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing, and I'm sure y'all hit this in a, in a later show cause it's challenge based statistic heavy, but, uh, and you can track it on project GC, which is awesome. DTs change. Yeah. And that is so frustrating that I can't, it makes me want to slap somebody. You can get, you could get a full 81 and then half of it can change because people can change DTs as they go. So it's a moving target. And oh man, that makes you so yeah. angry. Yeah. And the community <laughs> always changes in geocaching. So someone might not have heard that memo to leave it be once you hit it. Yeah. And there's legitimate arguments on both sides of that. I know y'all get into that in a future show. I know that. But that's the other reason why. So I'm not against fizzy. I'm just against parts of it where people mm. put the numbers and then they can change all the time. So yeah. it's another good reason to, uh, to log your qualification on a challenge when you qualify. Oh. So you have the record of it. Cause yeah, if you just let it sit for a couple of years and then you log it as found with the qualifications, it could, something could change by then. Yeah, that's yeah, good. absolutely. Or, but you log your qualifications and then they go back and go, you didn't really find that because you don't have a five, five on there. Mm. Oh, now that could, there's an argument waiting to happen, right? Yeah. But anyway, I mean, <laughs> so fizzy itself is not bad, but it is becoming one of our least favorite because I see it moving and people fudging numbers so much. And because, mm -hmm. I mean, come on, you show up in a Walmart parking lot, and there's a five, five there. Are you blowing the missile on that one? You're not, yeah. you're logging that no. joke. You're moving on. <laughs> and I think that's the thing. Like when, when the numbers are low and you've got that hole in the grid, then that one cache that changes would make a huge difference. But if yeah. say you're working on your 10th fizzy and you're at eight or nine and then you make it to 10, you know, it, there's, it's not as much of a difference. And it's especially if you pad it a little more so that if something does change, you've got insurance. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's I honestly haven't there. seen challenges for too many levels of fizzy. I don't know if that's what you call it, but mm. so maybe you guys have them in your area, but if you have 10 in my area, you're, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, I would say my least favorite, and that's not to say that I hate them, but the least favorite of the challenge types, I would say, are date found year grids, because yeah, that, there's a reason why the new regulations, the new guidelines for challenge caches have made a maximum streak uh, or a maximum of one year in 366, because yeah, if you miss a day, then you have to start over or you have to wait for a year. So that date found year grid is <clears throat> one that I'm actually working on right now. And with an upcoming video on that particular day, I needed to get an unknown, a mystery cache. And I completely forgot. And that is the only one so far that I, that I have missed for this year. I've got maybe 10, 10 to 15 other days that I have to get an unknown before I qualify for that challenge. But now I have to wait until next year. <laughs> to get that, that hurts. That hurts. I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Adam Dempshire, I lost my fizzy uh, after finishing yep. due to a change DT. Yeah. That's so he feels my pain. He knows what's up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The uh, and here's the other thing with that found date. People lie constantly. Mm -hmm. When it's something that subjective that you're like, what about a puzzle? What about a Earth cash. Oh, I, I went out there four weeks ago, but as soon as I send those answers in, mm. that's my found date. Come on now. We, we all know that happens. Mm -hmm. We don't have to admit it right now, but we all know that happens. Mm. Um, 
that's I think that's why they did that because it encouraged it's too much encouragement for people to go. Uh, maybe it was yesterday or tomorrow that I found mm-hmm. that. That's really a really sure. good point. On See, well, that, that's the similarity there between Earth caches and Challenge caches. Because mm-hmm. Earth caches, yeah, you have to visit the location and you have to answer the questions in order to log it found. So on what date do you log the find? With challenge caches, you have to go visit the location, sign the log, and qualify on what date do you log it. Generally, people log the find date the day that you sign the log. Yeah, you log, should. But, but some, some people, again, they'll, they'll sign the log and then a year later qualify, log it found on the qualification date. And I would be more prone to do that just the way I like my stats. So yeah, it's that is subjective. Mm-hmm. That's a show in and of itself, right? <laughs> How about it? Uh, <laughs> but that's where that's I think that's why <laughs> that's why they uh, they kind of shied away from that in the newer. They set a limit to a lot of those things. Yeah, and and you know they they tried also to avoid saying this is the way things have to be done as opposed to this is probably the best way to do it. And if everybody just, you know, is on board with each other and just work together, then yeah. it'll go a lot smoother. Yeah. Yeah. Try not to make a big, huge deal about it because it's just a game. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, do we have feelings about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there's blogs and magazines and podcasts and all kinds of stuff about just a game. Right? Just so. a game. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a good community question. Lots of uh, lots of stuff to talk about with that one. Um, so again, we uh, we like to highlight some of these questions that you have. So if you do have any questions that you'd love to hear us chat about or answer on the show, then send it in an email to challengetalkpodcast at gmail.com and it might appear in a future show. <laughs> So every, uh, every episode, we do a little bit of a highlight on uh, the current stats of uh, challenge, check, challenge caches. And uh, right now, Project GC uh, shows their statistics. So let's see how many active scripts. These are the scripts that handle all of the challenge cache algorithms. They have 4,995. And that is up about 160 from last show. For distinct caches or distinct challenges, that's the uh, different parameter sets that can define a challenge. Um, They have uh, active tags is 39,250. No, that's, no, sorry, that's the wrong number. Unique challenges, 32,747. That's another 600 since last month. And active tags, so these are uh, individual GC listings. There's 39,250. That's uh, about 700 more than last month. So the challenges are going up. That doesn't include archivals, though. Uh, so if we were to look at challenge active challenge caches worldwide, and the only way really to uh, to search that is an unknown cache with challenge in the title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty much how it's defined. Geocaching.com is showing 29,301 active challenge caches worldwide. So that is that has gone up by about 400 caches in one month. So they're still coming out. They're still That's pretty great. Popular. People love challenges. <laughs> they are good and, goals to set. And surely that doesn't include all of them because before the new rules, you didn't have to have challenge in the title. Right. right. Yeah. And there's still lots of old ones going. There's some called, you know, 
like Fizzy Magic. Yeah. It was named after him. And there's some that are just called Fizzy or mm-hmm. Four Grids or, you know, whatever. So there's no way to get an, a total number of it. But that's a huge number of of caches under that, you know, designation. Yeah. And that search also returns caches that aren't challenge caches that just have challenge in the title. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Tons of those as well. So it, it kind of, the, the give or take kind of evens out, I would think, a little bit. But uh, if we move on to this show's topic, statistics and you, um, we are trying to keep this relatively simple for beginners at this point. Uh, If you're more advanced challenge cacher, then a lot of the info may be well known to you. Um, But we're going to cover it for those who are relatively new to challenge caches or geocaching in general. So we have, we've we've mentioned it quite a few times so far. We've got... um, common challenge types like Jasmer and Fizzy and the Year, year Grid and, uh, and, and Streaks. Um, and we, I think we described a little bit on episode one about what they are, some of the basics of challenge caching. And um, as, we, as Jesse and, and us have mentioned earlier, uh, types like Jasmer, where you're finding caches based on their placed date. Um, so the Jasmer, the first Jasmer cache was published. I think it was two, was it 2000? Oh, I can't remember. That was in the last show. <laughs> That's a <laughs> trivia question. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, it's been around for a number of years and uh, it's a very popular, obviously, as Jesse has already said, <laughs> a very popular uh, challenge cache type. And it was named for the guy who came up with it. So that's why it doesn't have a challenge name that makes sense, if you will. Yeah, and Jasmine sounds really better than Jasmine. <laughs> Jasmine B is the actual, is the uh, creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other type is the fizzy, which we've also discussed fairly heavily already, which is looking at your difficulty and terrain grid from zero to five in 0.5 increments, which gives a nine by nine grid or 81 unique difficulty and terrain combinations. Um, And it's very popular, very common. You'll find them all over the place in combinations with loads of other cache properties and attributes. Um, So fizzy is a very, very very common keyword to, to come to know. Um, also, we've got the year grids. So uh, on the stats, you'll find uh, anything from your 366 days of the year uh, year grid, which could apply to anything from date found to date placed, potentially even date published. Um, yeah, I think they call that one the birthday challenge. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. There's a birthday challenge of finding it on the date it was published, if that's what you mean. Yeah, that's that's the one where you look at the published date of a cache and find a cache on that same date. Month there's another day. similar birthday Month and day. Yeah. It's, uh, there's one that's a takeoff of that that is on your caching birthday. Mm-hmm. So you had to find a cache that was published, you know, the day and date of the day you started caching. And year or just day and month uh well i've seen both actually you have to find one that's on the anniversary of your you know you have to find like if you started june 1st the cash had to have been published june 1st and there's also another one that's much harder that has to have been published on the actual day that you started cashing i like it i'm ready to look this up right now <laughs> yeah. um, i don't think that would work on the current rules probably too restrictive however 
really cool challenge, right? Yeah, I want to be ready for it if I find an old one. <laughs> uh, so if we were to take a look at our statistics, um, we can we can kind of gauge how some of these um, uh, challenges are formed. So I don't know if, if you are listening for the first time, you've just started geocaching, you may or may not have looked at your statistics. Um, so if you go to, for your GC statistics, geocaching.com slash my slash statistics.aspx, they really haven't made a, a friendly yeah. URL. Uh, you can also conveniently find the link on your user, your profile dashboard to the statistics. And uh, you will find three tabs. Let's get this on here. Um, you'll find three tabs that show uh, your basic cache stats and a breakdown of locations of where you found geocaches and milestones. So these, well, we'll start with the basics. So if we're to scroll through the basic stats, uh, these are, I think, are the things that most people find uh, most interesting. It doesn't show every breakdown of all your stats, but it gives you a good idea. So it gives you a find rate, your caches per day. So that just is obviously division division of your total finds over the number of days that those caches were found. Um, your longest streak, uh, obviously streaking is consecutive days having found a cache. Uh, your longest slump, consecutive days having not found a cache. Uh, your current streak <laughs> would be one if you found a cache today. <laughs> um, and current slump. Wow. So, yeah, I'm using my stats for this, but I have 11 days without finding. Oh, because I have a backlog of logs that I haven't logged yet. <laughs> Same on you. <laughs> no, 11 days, what? <laughs> um, and then obviously your best day, best month, and best year for number of caches found. Would, so, it, would it be fair to say that probably everything you just went over right there, there's a challenge for every one of those lines? I think so. Yes, even slumps. I don't. Th I'm not sure if there's a slump challenge post more. Not under the current rules, but there are old ones. Under yeah, the yeah. Because I the have slump, no. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say the slump. If you have a challenge that encourages people not to cash, not so, to cash, right? right. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a find rate challenge, but yeah, find rate not out there. Don't, yeah. Uh, yeah. Although. There are ones that say find a thousand in a year, and technically that is a find rate, right? If you're averaging it out, you could kind yeah. of say that average out to three plus a day. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. If you do it that way, but that find rate is changing daily as each day goes by. Right, yeah. right. So that would be hard to. Yeah. Have a and it actually harder the longer you've been caching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or people who uh, created a, an account and then didn't geocache for five years. <laughs> then started right <laughs> that really kills well, the average well if, if you want to include me in that my where the longest slump goes yours is 32 mine says 619 so <laughs> <laughs> i'm one of those people that like found one and didn't cash again for two years so i'll never get my find right up high enough to be anything how about it yeah so moving on we've got the fines per month so this breaks down uh, all of your months uh since you started and there's a column for each and for me there's that huge spike can you guess what that spike is let's see did you do a power trail one day let's possibly <laughs> 2500 caches in one month is that, that was, an et month or that was the et highway yeah <laughs> ah. yeah 
that's the kind of stat that can really throw everything off if somebody has that. Yes, it can. Because <laughs> then in the cumulative fines per month, you see that follow that spike follows down to that huge incline, that jump in fines. So there's that breakdown. Uh, just shows you your breakdown increasingly per month. And then there's the yearly breakdown, which shows the number of catches you found per year with the uh, find rate. Uh, a lot of this is fairly straightforward math, but it kind of gives you a, a, an idea of the concept of how the stats can form um, different perspectives to create these challenges. Finds for each day of the year. This is the year, year grid of dates found, not including year. Mm -hmm. So every, everything from January 1st to December 31st is marked on here and totaled vertically and horizontally. If you love numbers, this is a, a very intriguing map to look at. <laughs> it is, and it's nice that it's color-coded. The darker it is, the more you have. Yeah, that, that color-coding. Oh, I wanted to mention that earlier. That color-coding is is like perfect for people who have OCD about stats. <laughs> you talk about the hole in the map. That color-coding, anything that's light is something that has to get off that grid. <laughs> or get darker. Yeah. yeah. Could, you, uh, could you do a challenge where you had to uh, make certain days darker and write your name in that grid? Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> patterns, grid patterns. <laughs> that, yeah. I, I could say a whole bunch about that. I, actually, I was hoping, I, before the moratorium started, I had some ideas for challenge caches that were exactly that, making patterns in the year grid or the DT grid. Oh and my gosh. There was a whole lot of debate about that and they were disallowed. And that is part of the post moratorium guidelines, no patterns and whatnot, user defined. Region. Interesting. I did not know that that was actually specific. Mm -hmm. Because people will cheat on that. There's no way that people wouldn't yeah, cheat. There's cheating. And I guess if for the non cheaters, again, it would dis it would discourage going geocaching to keep yeah. something lighter. Yeah. And yes. they're never going to discourage it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then they got the breakdown of number of caches for cache type. Straightforward again. Uh, container types that I've found. So again, breakdown by the container type uh, or the size. Uh, and then we've got your infamous DT grid, <laughs> which shows all of the numbers from uh, 1, 1 to 5, 5, uh, totaled by terrain and totaled by difficulty, plus your total fines. And... Uh, yeah, there's nothing light here, but there's still, you can see that shading from dark to mm. light-ish. <laughs> right. And I, I've seen challenges with that average of difficulty in terrain mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. trying to keep that above a certain amount, which yeah. I'm not sure my average has ever gone above two on either of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that average is just shown above there. Yeah, I think... Uh, depending on where you live, those averages will really show the makeup of your local caching. Uh, right. And yeah. I know my average is what it is because of kayak caching around mm -hmm. here in my area, which gets mm -hmm. a rating of five for terrain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that my average will never be high on that because I go to so many events. Oh <laughs> yeah. Weekly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, weekly and more actually. Uh -huh. The one I go to is weekly events, but we yeah. also have monthly events and bi-weekly events and, so my events will always be higher than, than everything else, you know, so I will never have a high average DT rating. And a lot of people won't that attend events and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Good but you can get higher terrains on events, just not higher difficulties now. Right, right, right. Because mm -hmm. the difficulty's always got to be one. Yeah. Uh, and then we go into the home location stats. So it gives you stats from your home, uh, home posted home coordinates, which are private, but 
that gives you uh, an idea of your nearest to home, farthest from home, farthest north, south, east, and west. And uh, those are <laughs> those are kind of in of them in and of themselves challenges to increase those distances. Yeah, I remember looking at my eastmost, and then suddenly visiting Iceland, and boom, it suddenly jumped way out there. Um, <clears throat> there are some challenges uh, for those as well, pre moratorium. Um, there, there are distance-based challenges, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think there's really anything that you can do from home. There is one which will be mentioned uh, sh in a few minutes as well, uh, a centroid challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and those, I, th I believe, I think those are allowed right now. I'm not quite sure. I haven't actually checked on that. Really, anything that you look at on your basic statistics page, there's probably mm -hmm. a challenge related to it. Yeah. Right. Because it's a basic statistic and everybody can do it. And it's easy to access without any other outside websites. Mm -hmm. So there's challenges to just about everything on that page. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end, we've got the distance defined. So you've got your, your distant ban distance bands from under a kilometer all the way up to over 7,500 kilometers. That's the one that shows how much you like to travel. <laughs> yeah. Or move across country. It really... Yeah. Makes it <laughs> yeah. Interesting. That happened to me. <laughs> Suddenly all my finds were very far away. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, and then uh, moving to the maps tab, uh, I got fairly straightforward. It gives you a map of all the countries in the world and how many caches you found there. And then breaks down breakdowns for your, uh, your, I guess it's your, your home country and other, another country if you choose to, or maybe it's just Canada, us and Europe. Um, I think it's wherever you've, been then it generates that country other than the first that. world one okay uh and then the states and regions within those uh those countries or greater regions the uh the milestones is uh, an automated list except for your option to lock or unlock specific finds so if you it, it'll automatically mark um smaller smaller uh uh, milestones until you start getting more prolific into the higher numbers, but um, it'll automatically set the one that you found as number 200 and it'll highlight that one on your list. But say you were out for a day and you found 20 geocaches and you can't remember which one was there, but you kind of considered it all part of that day. Uh, so you want to highlight one specific one. You can edit it and then tell it a specific GC code and that will become marked as your milestone. Um, that's it for, for the geocaching.com stats. Uh, I don't believe there are challenges for milestones. That's really just more informational. Well, there's not challenges necessarily for milestones, but there are challenges for find 1,000 caches, find 2,000, mm -hmm. 5,000. Sure. So that really is kind of related to that, right? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So if we move on quickly to the Project GC stats, uh, because of challenges, they take care of so many more statistics and they break down so much information that there are many more tabs. And if you really love numbers, this is the page that you want to go to. <laughs> um, I guess uh, we'll quickly run through some of the uh, most relevant tabs. So the finds, a lot of this stuff is similar to the basic geocaching stats. You've got your cumulative finds um, and then your total finds per year. It'll show breakdown. Um, you've got your finds by month per year. So you can choose which months you want to see, but it'll tell you 
what your fine count is visually per month for those years. It's a nice piece of information to have. Uh, yeah. And then a whole lot of individual breakdowns of specific geocaches. You're going to have to look through this. <laughs> they are pretty straightforward by description, but mm -hmm. um, I'm guessing if somebody wanted to see something here, then if they had that information, they added it to the list because <laughs> there's so much stuff here. And a lot of it is, some of it seems fairly um, out there. Like, uh, let's see if I can find something maybe. Well, okay. Most cash types in a day is definitely a popular challenge. Mm -hmm. One example, mm -hmm. um, especially now that we've got more virtuals coming out and then new cash types. That's a, a very popular one. I've only got eight. <laughs> really? I had to miss a chance to get 12 in a day because of COVID restrictions oh. just two weekends ago. That hurt. That hurt. <laughs> yeah. Mega events are the, the uh, days to go for those cash types. Mm -hmm. in a day they're often paired with events and cash in trash outs and uh and, and then usually in large areas where there's things like webcams and loads of other uh rare types all within a day's travel right so that's a good opportunity you know what's exciting is if somebody's listening to the show and they haven't been on project gc yet and they go oh project gc that sounds pretty cool for challenges and they're a statistics person get ready to waste so many hours <laughs> you're going to be constantly on this thing because it's you can play on just this one page if you're a statistics person for hours and hours and then go back there very frequently mm -hmm. with this one thing you're showing right now at least at least half of those we had to drill into it but are challenges currently or have been challenges in the past this is all challenge related stuff even though that's not under the challenges tab you ain't got to that yet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And similarly, I um, cut my teeth on my geocaching profile. Mm -hmm. so, like when I went there and saw the statistics that I couldn't have imagined for myself, and they're not even as detailed as Project GC. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I did. I ran my stats because you have to run your pocket query for that one. So I would run my stats after a week in a caching, plug them in, see what holes I filled. Mm -hmm. Great. Yep. And here's a good example of the uh, of an obscure one, the total cash to cash distance. Mm -hmm. There have been challenges pre moratorium where uh, where scripts would calculate the distance from posted coordinates of every cache that you found in order, and you have to have a certain time, certain number of times circumnavigating the Earth uh, of cash to cash distance. So this is like something that uh, I, I don't. It's not possible to do now, but older challenges there could be some that ask for that cash to cash distance. Yeah, you'll see those as distance to the moon challenges sometimes too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so lots of stuff to look at there. Uh, you've got your breakdown by type and size, uh, breakdown by difficulty alone, your terrain alone, uh, even uh, average difficulty per year, terrain per year. Like this is all just how many ways can you break down numbers? <laughs> <laughs> Finds by month and week day. So Monday to Saturday, Sunday to Saturday, um, year cash placed. So yeah, there's some challenges. So you've got to have a certain number of fines and uh, that were placed in the year 2000. Um, so today's stats. So 7th of August for each year, there's your breakdown for one day. Um, degrees from home. Uh, so fines by degree and distance, and then you've got your bearings, kind of a visual representation of all those fines, your DT grid. Uh, it's got, I like this one. 
<laughs> I mentioned Fizzy, the DT grid. This way to 81 is a breakdown of the first of each unique DT that you find. So I you like can that. see yeah, your progress up to completing your first Fizzy grid. And even if you're just scrolling through, you know, it brings back a memory of something you did years ago. Mm -hmm. And if that was a, you know, a challenge, not, not a challenge cash, but a challenge to accomplish, you, you remember these things. So that's what, that's part of what I love about looking back on statistics. Yeah. Um, and then it shows you your most favorite points. <laughs> Geocaching headquarters is almost always bound to have the most favorite points. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, your oldest caches found, uh, your highest and lowest elevations, and even and it breaks it down visually so you can see the grid of uh, what bands have the most. Uh, <laughs> once you do the ET highway, pretty much every grid has some spike. <laughs> right. Uh, and then your found grid, found date grid, and your hidden date grid. So again, this is the three hundred two ways to look at your three hundred sixty six year day year grid. Uh, the hidden month, this is the one that would otherwise be known as the Jasmer challenge. Uh, so we mentioned that the Jasmer was finding a cache in every month since geocaching began in May of 2000. So if you're working on your Jasmer grid, this is the one you want to look at because it will tell you if there are any months that you have zero finds and that is one that you need to complete your first Jasmer. And I don't know if you're going to get into it this show or not, but at the very bottom of that, the hidden month link, it will help you map out the ones that you haven't found for Jasmine and many of the other challenges that are in here as well. So that's much oh, deeper nice. than we to go today, but yeah, you click on that link and it'll pull up in your area based on what selection you do, mm. whatever the challenge is, and give you a list of ones that you can go for, which yeah. is awesome. It's nice. a good way to use making making use of Project GC to help with challenge qualification. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a Project GC newbie. I don't know some of this stuff. That's great. Mm. Uh, th this was one that uh, was another popular one, uh, finds by owner. So it does actually break down whose caches you found the most of. <laughs> yeah, I remember just a few months ago caching with someone and I said, surely I have found enough of your caches that you're going to pop up into my top 10 soon. And it was that day <laughs> after caching his area where he popped into my top 10. Yep. Uh, and then finally, the attributes that you've collected. So um, this, this is a very subjective one because attributes, there's only, I think, two that are required attributes. Uh, everything else can be uh, on and off uh, depending on the owner's choices. So um, it, it's interesting to look at. And there are challenges that can be based on finding a certain number of attributes. So another interesting one to look at. Which are neat, but also often abused, right? Yes. Like, did ET. Yeah. Exactly. If you've done ET, your scuba caches are way high. Yeah. <laughs> now, there was a reason for that. Yes, there was. There was a reason, but uh, that was before the challenge caches started using them and all that. And Yeah. Uh, so quickly going through other stuff, we've got the milestones, uh, just like the, the uh, uh, official stats, and also break down your first cache by country and by cache type, uh, more historic information. Uh, Project GC does have a way to track your first defines. Um, that is a side game. It's not an official one, uh, uh, an official aspect of uh, geocaching that can be used in challenges, at least post moratorium. Right. But um, it does track for you uh, all of the stats that are based on the caches flagged by you or automatically as a first find. 
Um, some more stuff to browse through and, and take in. Uh, and then your personal hides or your own geocaches, stats on those, the same breakdown of individuals um, and all of the logs received, um, breakdown of all the caches that you own. I can't uh, remember. Are you allowed to place challenges that encourage people to hide caches? No. No. It's the same sort of thing as placing a cache and, and, and including replacement containers and encouraging people to use those containers to place caches or to re replace caches. Um, they don't want to, they don't want to have anybody encouraging doing somebody else's work for them. And, uh, when placing caches, um, the, the feeling is that if you, if somebody encourages people to place caches to qualify for a challenge, then they won't necessarily want to own that cache on long-term. Yeah. It so, could be junk placements. Yeah. Just quality. quality. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, and then your maps breakdown, similar, but a little more functionality. So you can see specific, uh, say, states, for example, in the U.S. That's where all the ET highway is in Nevada. All right. <laughs> That's nice. You can break it down and see your counties then in each state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. Again, almost everything you're talking about also challenges. Yep. Yeah. Pretty much everything you look at this, uh, I, you'll, you'll be able to uh, come up with some kind of a legitimate challenge. The only, I think the only ones that you wouldn't be able to are where there's subjectivity involved um, right. or, or things like FTFs where it's not an official thing because there's no real way to track it, no, no yeah. statistical way to track it. Um, because Project GC has all the challenge caches in their database, they also give you a breakdown of challenge caches that you found. Uh, these are the ones with... Um, with the checker on them and pre-moratorium that have been flagged as challenge caches. Um, and then your souvenir breakdown, a little more user-friendly than your basic souvenir list on geocaching.com because uh, they break it down for regional, country, um, uh, promotional periods, specific days, that sort of thing. Um, and then you have sorting options and whatnot and your lab cache stats. Uh, <laughs> I have two visible <laughs> <laughs> you're knocking it down <laughs> so that's that's project gc and there's so much information on project gc that uh like jesse said you could look at this hours and hours just taking in all that information uh the link is on the video it's project-gc.com slash statistics slash profile stats or if you visit projectgc.com under your uh statistics tab you're under profile section profile stats will take you to your personal profile statistics um, and that that's the breakdown of a breakdown <laughs> of statistics there are so many ways you can spin these together but um, pretty much every challenge that you find these days will be composed of all of these numbers uh, if you're ever unsure then you can ask a reviewer but um, yeah this is this is the challenge cashers play play page <laughs> absolutely it's inspirational mm -hmm. um get where am i one second while i pull up i've definitely killed many hours on project gc <laughs> without a doubt yeah yeah 
Um, yeah, and then so some of those maps also showed uh, things like your counties and regions. Um, counties are the smallest, I believe, tracked region that you can do challenges with. Um, I mean, you've got countries, uh, states or provinces, and then counties. Anything other than that is considered user-defined and disallowed in challenges. But what about Delorme just, pages? Which pages? Delorme Atlas. Uh, no. So those are not allowed post-moratorium. I did not realize that. How about but it? If, yeah, but if you have them, uh, they're, they're still around pre-moratorium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, and there are so that's the other thing. There could be pre moratorium caches that do have challenge checkers. So just because it is possible to have a challenge checker doesn't mean that it's allowed by post moratorium rules. To hide it today, a new one. Yeah. Yeah. Because they will go back and build a challenge checker for an old one that's no longer wouldn't would not pass today. Yeah. Which is very helpful, by the way. That is, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the if you look at uh, when we get to looking at my bingo challenge, um, that is a bingo grid where every square has its own little checker. <laughs> um, so some of these challenges that are kind of complex, you might find will have multiple checkers uh, if they're pre moratorium because there's so many things that you have to qualify for. Right. Um, <clears throat> so another topic we can flow into on another show is how to find qualifiers and making use of project GC and things like GSAC and other applications to, to help with that. But that's another huge topic. <laughs> huge, huge topic. You can talk about that for weeks. Oh yeah. Um, so coming back to the community questions, if you have any questions that you'd like answered to, or that you'd like us to talk about or explore, big or small, then make sure again to email to challenge talk podcast at gmail.com. And we will see what we can throw in with our topics. Um, was there anything else that, uh, that came to mind when we we're going over that, that you wanted to mention? Um, no, I would say that because we have such a different audience on this, I, I would like to remind people like advanced people that have been doing challenges for years this is probably a review of things. It reminds them of other things. People that are brand new into it, first of all, don't get overwhelmed. Yeah. There's so many challenges out there. Find what's near you, but then get on Project GC or get on your basic statistics page and look at what's there. And I guarantee you, you'll find a challenge related to almost everything on both of those things that you just covered today. Right. Or even work towards the challenge and then find if you run across the cache that is the challenge to qualify for You've, you're qualified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all three of us, so you don't have to do, all three of us love challenges, right? But we don't even love the same challenges. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, you don't have to, just because Jasmine is a big thing, and if that doesn't excite you, don't worry about it. You don't have, mm-hmm. there's nothing requiring you to do that. Go with what you like. Um, I love challenges. They're great. Uh, but there's some of them that are really popular that I don't, that, doesn't do anything for me and I'm not going to work on them. If I happen to, you know, fall backwards into them later on one day, then maybe I will. But you know, if you're not a street person, do not feel like you have to do every challenges out there. Find the ones that make it more fun for you. It's yeah. This is such a personal game. Make mm-hmm. it, make it fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just like you, you don't have to find every geocache. <laughs> right. Right. Of, like if you don't like certain challenges, then think of it like you don't like tree climbs or you don't have a boat. You know, it's like if you can't get it, you can't get it and be satisfied with that. Just have yeah. fun caches that you enjoy finding. However, 
If you get your challenge, sign that challenge. (laughs) I don't care what it says, if it's about collecting cats or, you know, whatever it's about, it's scuba and you'll never scuba. Just sign the challenge. Yeah, you know, I didn't realize that at first. When When I started to hear about that, sign a log for something I don't qualify for, it didn't strike anything in me. But now... Yeah, that's a trip to go back to that cash now that I qualify for it. I see the value now. Because mm-hmm. you never know when you're going to uh, qualify in the future. You know, you never know when the world's going to end and you can't do the same kind of cash you did last year, right? So <laughs> right. Uh, you never know what you're going to be doing in the future. So just sign the challenge. It doesn't cost you anything. It's part of the rules. It's built in. It's not cheating. Sign it and you'll be very happy that you did. I've mm-hmm. never regretted signing any challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our first attempt at this fun game, hopefully, that we have set up for Challenge Talk. Uh, this is for our live viewers, our live uh, chat participants. If you are there, get your email program ready because it is the wheel of challenges. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> cute, cute video intro. <laughs> we got a um, video for it, you know, like, hey, here's the wheel of challenges. <laughs> so one live viewer each month will be selected to face off against the wheel. Uh, the chance to win a grand prize, which we are currently setting at a one month Project GC premium membership. So to enter, email Challenge Talk Podcast at uh, gmail.com with the subject containing spin me, followed by your geocaching name and the answer to the following question. The first verified user gets the wheel. That means we need to have your geocaching username. Your profile will be checked live on Project GC. And if you qualify for whatever the wheel gives you, you win. So here is your question. So if you have your email open, make sure you've got the recipient set to challenge talk podcast at gmail.com and include in the email, spin me your geocaching username, and then the answer to this question, which is what is the name of the current souvenir promotion? Not the one that's starting soon, but the current souvenir promotion. So that's not intended to be a difficult question, just to see who gets there first. <laughs> While you're waiting on them to send in their answers, have you mm-hmm. finished that promotion? Yes. I, uh, yes, I think we both have. <laughs> <laughs> Actually finished it the, uh, uh, was it that weekend or the following weekend? I think it was that weekend because uh, I had planned to go out on a power trail trip and <laughs> I forgot about the souvenir uh, <laughs> Ooh. We did, we did a few art one morning and I was like, oh crap, memory lane. Oh, it's over. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, my current slump, let me see. My current slump is 33 days because after I finish memory lane, I'm waiting for the next promotion because there's just so few caches. I have to save them <laughs> for the promotions. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm cashed out. That's the worst. <laughs> and if nobody picked up on any hints there, just throwing them out. I'm just saying. It's <laughs> a hard question. <laughs> All right. Well, we have our first person who has emailed in the correct answer. And uh, keep sending them in. I'm not going to say what the answer is because 
they have to, yeah, as they have to have a username that works. So as long as that works, we can actually run this test. So let's bring up the wheel. We have our first winner is Runner Cacher. Oh yeah. So Runner Cacher, let me get that on the screen. Runner Cacher. That is and we have the wheel. We have fake sound effects for now. <laughs> so the cashier is up against the wheel. You don't need sound effects. That is pretty cool looking graphics. <laughs> I love it. It's great. One, three, two, one. We spin the wheel. And what is coming up? We have what difficulty? A, oh, is it a three-star difficulty? The Cash Centroid Challenge. GC576FH. What is that challenge? Let's check it out. This one is uh, created by the Fearsome Four. In, oh, this is oh, this is the one that I've found already. <laughs> so this cache challenge, this challenge cache, you have to find uh, the closest cache to your centroid. Uh, I don't know if you noticed it on the stats, but the Project GC stats shows your centroid, which is the average location, latitude, and longitude of all of the caches that you found. So in order to qualify for this challenge, you must, uh, we're not signing the logbook for this game. You need to determine your cache centroid. It's in your stats. Uh, determine the cache that's closest to your centroid and find that cache. Um, uh, great if you qualify. So, um, you know what I just realized? <laughs> there isn't a checker for this one. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there is a checker if you scroll down to one of the logs. But the – actually, no, this could still work because – If uh, you scroll down, I think there's one linked in a log in there. Uh, if they used a checker. They did. I, I think I looked at this one earlier. Well, here's another way to do it. You can search for a GC code on Project GC. There you go. Um. Let's see if there's one. There's also an, another little trick as well. If you have the URL, you can just drop of another checker. You can just change the um, the GC code in the URL. And if there is a checker for it, it will show up. Will it show up? It's thinking, waiting for projectgc.com. <laughs> Here we go. Is there, there isn't one for that GC. Okay, so there might be another one um, for a different GC code. So if you scroll, let's see. I thought I looked at this one earlier. One of the logs I found. Let's see if I can find it for you. Yeah. So the nice thing is if people copy the uh, the text that Project GC provides, then um, it'll usually include either a link or uh, how they how they determined the answer. Oh my gosh. Uh, scrolling on Project GC because it, it's not just a matter of uh, knowing where your centroid is, it's also mm -hmm. verifying that they've found the closest cache to it, right? Um, that is the question. Uh, and unless, yeah, there was probably another one, but um, you know, for the sake of time, <laughs> let's respin the wheel. 
<laughs> okay, let's try it again. Should have prepped for that one, but what do we have? Oh, oh, this is a five star. Oh, the mystery puzzle challenge of the century. Five star difficulty. GC one Q A B C. What is this challenge? This challenge is a five-five placed by Jacob Barlow in two thousand nine. And Very generous five-five, by the way. <laughs> to log a founder for this cash, in addition to finding the cash and signing the logbook, you must have found one hundred mystery puzzle caches. That's it. The name sounded <laughs> much bigger than that. <laughs> I was ready for more. <laughs> <laughs> this is a five-five challenge cache to find one hundred mystery puzzle caches. In fairness, it has been out for eleven or twelve years, right? Yes, and there is a checker for it. This is good. We load up the checker, and it gives you the option to put in any profile name. So we have Runner Casher. They are a real user. That's a good sign. And run the checker. Does not qualify. Oh, no. No. Runner Casher has 60 out of 100 mystery puzzle caches. Oh, that's that's so close, but not quite. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not, not a win with this uh, wheel spin. I'm sorry. <laughs> Something to work towards. Yes. So... The other fun thing about this particular game is that the more we spin this wheel, the more you will know what the challenges on this wheel are. And if you want to have a chance to win the grand prize, you will now know what to work for because if you have an opportunity to spin this wheel, you might qualify for what it gives you. Right. So you've given away, you're probably going to change the other one, right? But the 5-5, five five, now people know what the 5-5 five five is. Yeah. Unless we can find a checker for that centroid. Uh, because yeah. that is that is kind of a location-based thing, and the intention is that you find the closest cache and sign that cache before your centroid moves away. <laughs> and if somebody gets pulled up again, including runner casher, you know, it's a race to get in there. You know what you have to do for the 5-5, five five, so that's one you can mark off the list. That's one that's not hidden. So just, mm -hmm. what, 40 more? You can go get that in the morning. Go tomorrow morning, <laughs> find your GR, knock out 40 before you go to breakfast. You'll be good to go. Yeah. <laughs> So if we are moving on now to the next little game of challenge talk, which is the monthly challengers, where every month we give a congratulatory shout out to listeners who email us proof of qualifying and logging a challenge cache uh, since the last show. Anyone who sends an email to challengetalkpodcast at uh, gmail.com uh, with the GC code of the cache that you found and qualified for and including a photo, if you like, for that month, you'll be entered for a prize giveaway. This month, we have uh, a gift, a gift, <laughs> a prize to give away, and that is a leaderboard geocoin, the, the Geocache Talk leaderboard, the gold geocoin to a lucky draw winner. So, yeah, I can tell you those are extremely limited. Those came mm -hmm. out, the leaderboard people, and all those people know who they were when they got to participate in it. And there's less than probably seven of those in existence that have not been given away. And it's so shiny. It it's bling. Shiny. <laughs> Very shiny bling. <laughs> so we do have uh, five. We, we had a number of people email in 
um, their challenge qualifications for the month, qualified and found, logged. And uh, so we're going to choose five shout outs to show for this one. So you get, to get an idea of the kind of uh, challenge caches that are out there. We've got Team Demp who qualified for the Frankenstein challenge. This challenge, you have to find 25 caches with unique body parts in the name. I like that. <laughs> placed by six little spookies. This was uh, obviously placed before. <laughs> but yeah, the, the owner, that, that goes with. Uh, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this was obviously a pre-moratorium challenge cache because you can't do uh, challenge caches based on title texts anymore uh, or GC texts because it's bookkeeping. Good thing, but anyway. <laughs> we also have uh, Terra Aviators. Terra, Terra Viators? I never knew how to say that, how to pronounce Terra that. Terra Aviators? <laughs> uh, they finished the streak challenge, which was to find caches for 100 consecutive days. This one was placed by KJ Clock. Um, Terraviators? Ter I say Terraviators, but the capital V makes it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> apparently they qualified in 2010 by, doing a one, by finding those 100 days, uh, but they signed the cache 10 years later, just around the uh, last show, the last episode. Nice. And, and they are uh, Terraviators, however you say it. They're um, admins on a challenge, Geocaching Challenges Facebook group. Mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, we have Just Finding Our Way found all five of the Schrodinger's Challenge series. This one I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, they have this particular challenge is located at the rim of a volcano, an old volcano. So there's the five caches around the rim, which they found, and then there's one in the center, which was another 100-day streak. But those five caches around the rim that you get to walk or walk to, um, you have to find two caches. So the easy one, so they're all the same thing, just one, two, three, four, five. You have to find uh, two caches by one owner in two different U.S. states. So hmm. you do have to do a lot of searching for that. So the first one, two caches by one owner. The second one, you have to find two pairs of two caches by two owners, <laughs> up wow. to five. So it gets harder and harder. But uh, if you qualify for the fifth one, you get all of them before that as well. Nice. So that means finding cache owners who do a lot of traveling as well. Yeah. Um, next up, we have R. Reagan, who found the TFC, TVC Everest Challenge, where you've got to... Try, I always tr love trying to describe a challenge in as few words as possible. <laughs> you have to accrue 29,035 feet in cache altitude changes for going for a hike. So this is another pre-moratorium one where you the cache description says you need to um, find the lowest point of the hike and the highest point of the hike, and then that's the altitude for that cache. And you have to have a total of multiple caches reaching 29,035 feet gained i like that one yeah mm -hmm. i like that and that's by that's the thing those post cache. post moratorium caches can be definitely creative oh yeah yeah and a lot of people found them to be uh not only creative but convoluted yes. <laughs> <laughs> um and finally we also have our reagan who found ftf california challenge of a century where you have to have 100 ftfs <laughs> this is another pre-moratorium challenge yes definitely <laughs> 
But there were a number of other people who had uh, sent in emails with their challenge cash fines. Um, congratulations to uh, completing all of those. And um, we hope that everybody will continue working on challenges. And reminder to send your email in to challengetalkpodcast at gmail.com with the GC code and a photo, if you like, of a challenge cash that you've qualified and found. But to draw a winner of everybody who sent in since the last show, we have drawn the name. He messed up my drum roll. Come on now. <laughs> R. Reagan is the winner. Yay. Monthly challenge winner, R. Reagan. Congratulations. We will be in touch to uh, figure out uh, how to send you the prize of mm -hmm. that leaderboard bling challenge coin. It's so shiny. <laughs> um, there was another one that I wanted to mention. On YouTube, there was another good example of a personal challenge uh, attempted and shared in a video. I think you pronounce it by uh, Reese Gerard. He uh, put out a video for finding 100 caches in a day, and uh, he shared his strategy and where and his attempts and all that, but he didn't quite manage to qualify. Mm. He had a, a great fun time doing it. And yeah, he had a 10 hour window set, which is about one cash every six minutes. <laughs> so he didn't quite reach that goal, but that's a great example of, you know, enjoying the challenge and sharing the experience, um, whether it's photos or videos, uh, and, you know, hopefully that kind of thing can be, inspire other people to do that as well. Um, so one of the things about uh, uh, Cash the Line is, is like putting out those goals and accomplishing them, accomplishing them and completing them and, uh, and hoping that in doing that, you can inspire others to get out and be active and, you know, accomplish things. Um, finally, we've got our Iron Man, Iron Bingo Challenge update. Uh, I mentioned on the first show that uh, one of the the last challenge that I put out before the moratorium was the Iron Man Bingo Challenge, and uh, that one is GC3D5EB, which is a bingo grid of streak challenges, and <laughs> it's been out for a long time, and there haven't been there have been a number of finders, but it's not an easy one to qualify for. So I'd like to update on uh, on people who've qualified and. This month, we've had two more qualifications. People who have found the cache previously, that's Desafio and Oshawa Pathfinder. Um, Desafio is, has qualified for the challenge, but is now working on the full card, which is like the hardest thing to do. And Oshawa Pathfinder has completed the full bingo card. Nice, well done. Yeah, and so I've kind of decided as a personal thing, anybody who completes that full bingo card, um, I'll bring it up on the screen, um, is going to get uh a special geocoin that i'm minting for this challenge wow iron man bingo challenge there's the grid finding say for example the b1 is 25 days of a difficulty three and under uh the center one is 100 consecutive days caching um where is another ridiculous one <laughs> there's scuba caches uh somewhere where is that one um, N1. N1. Yes, scuba caches. Three days of scuba caches. Mm. <laughs> There's another reason why this was pre-moratorium because these kind right. of streaks are... And that's three days in a row. Yeah. Of scuba caching. 
Yeah. Which means people who have found a lot of caches probably going to have a hard time qualifying for this, especially because scuba, for instance, is very, very rare. Unless you live in Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> then you got it. You got it. <laughs> so there's a quick little update. Um, that challenge remains. And yes, so this is for anyone, uh, whoever is able to qualify for the full grid on that bingo card will earn themselves that special geocoin once I get it minted. Very so, cool. Yeah. Are there any other like challenges that, uh, that you think deserve a nice highlight, a nice shout out? That's a hard question, right? Cause there's a lot of, <laughs> so many good ones out there. Um, you know, I tend towards, so there's one in my state that kind of changed. It was, they had it out there for a while and then things changed. So it's a virtual matrix challenge. Mm. So it was basically filling all that you could in your grid with virtual caches, mm. but they had to be in the state of Colorado. Well, when the challenge oh, came out, oh. yeah. So when <laughs> the challenge came out, um, they weren't, issuing new virtual so that was a static challenge right it's not going to change it's not a moving target or anything else um and uh that i thought that was a really neat challenge getting all the virtuals you know getting all of anything in a state is pretty neat like mm -hmm. counties or whatever else now now that there's new ones out it it kind of lost a little bit you know it's still a cool challenge but it, it changes and everything else but any of those type challenges that you have in your state that's like get every virtual get every webcam whatever it is those are pretty neat because it's a finite list. So those are pretty fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember we had a challenge like that for getting all the uh, virtuals <laughs> in Ontario. And uh, that was before the virtuals came back. Yeah. <laughs> there were people that were very upset when suddenly there's this whole <laughs> slew of new virtuals coming out. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Anything come to mind for you, Emily? No. I I'm very familiar with the statistic based challenges, the, the common ones. So as I look around and that's one thing, like I said, I'm a project GC newbie. One of the things I saw on that website was I can just go to the map and it can show me the challenges and it's got, I, I don't remember. It's got the little icons on the challenge icon to tell me if I'm good to find it if I need to work on it or if I've already found it. So I need to spend some time looking and see what else is out there that I haven't considered. Mm -hmm. So there's another challenge that kind of challenges change, right? The availability of them change. Um, I had a challenge out for a while that I got rid of since because things have changed, but it was, it was a five, five related challenge and it was for all the different types. Cause at the time the virtual was the tricky part. There wasn't very many five, five virtuals that were out there. There was only, I think maybe 13 in the world, eight were in the U S and the rest were spread out. So that was a really hard challenge. But since the new virtuals have come out, there's a bunch of five fives virtuals that have come out. So time can change the validity of a challenge. I think Yeah, some pretty awesome ones that there were there beforehand. You still should get them, but things do change as, as geocaching changes all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that, that's it for the uh, show, the main topic that we've got. So a reminder that our show is the first Thursday of every month. So the next show will be September 3rd. Uh, same time, same place. Tune And also tune in to Geocache Talk on Sunday the 9th. That's this coming Sunday for a special guest from JPL, from NASA, uh, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. 
we challenge you to tune in. <laughs> there is going to be some great chat about the news about the trackable mm -hmm. rover on Mars. So crazy. I'm yeah. excited. Yes. Yeah, that's that's going to be awesome. Um, and that is it. So again, reminder to email challenge talk podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, you'd love to hear us address on, on a show, a future show and, uh, to send in your challenge qualifications, uh, between now and the next month, uh, fines, qualifications and fines on that, that month. And you could be, you will be entered in the draw to win the prize for that month. Um, so thank you to Jesse for being our guest for this episode. <laughs> Always great to have your insight because you have written a book on challenge caches. Mm. And uh, we we link to that and I think we sh we talk about it on almost every show. <laughs> and um, <laughs> lots of details about challenge caches in that book. Uh, and uh, yeah, and Emily, thanks for coming on again as well. Um, I guess same thing. Thanks for me for coming on because we are. <laughs> thank you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> and so with that, thank you again also to everybody in the chat room. Uh, it's hard to keep up with everything that's being said, uh, mm -hmm. but we love that you're there and uh, yeah, chatting. Thanks for your input. Thanks for sharing yeah. what's happening in your life with challenges. Yeah, definitely. It exposes us to more. Yeah. And anything we can't answer vocally on the show, we can certainly answer in chat. So if you are listening to this not live, see if you can make it to chat because it's a great group. Um, so with that, we will say farewell for this show and tune in next month for what we have coming. Bye. And have a good night. Let's get that outro going.